everyone. Welcome to Calvary Conversations. It, this is a uh, video forum and audio forum where we interview uh, people involved in Christian leadership to encourage, inform, and give perspective to other people involved in Christian leadership. So um, I'm excited today to have with me uh, my guest today, Celeste Williams. Celeste is the Education Director at Global FC, which is an organization that provides education and community building services to first-generation refugee youth. Uh, Celeste also is a Calvary graduate. Uh, she graduated in May of 2019 with a degree in ele elementary education and then went on right after that to work at Global FC. So um, I'm really excited to have you with us here, uh, Celeste. It's, it's just a, a pleasure and an honor. Uh, I've known Celeste personally for a long time and um, just really excited for her heart for ministry and just think um, you have a lot of great things and great perspective to share with us about working with a refugee and immigrant population. So welcome to Calvary Conversations. Thank you. I'm very excited to be a part of this. Great, great. Well, um, let's do some we are going to hit a lot of under-the-surface kinds of questions, but I do feel like our listeners do need to get a better picture of, of Global FC and your role within Global FC. So why don't we begin there? Tell us a little bit more about what Global FC does and more about what you do specifically uh, in your role of service. Yeah, so Global FC, our mission is to use soccer as a vehicle for transformative impact. So soccer is our centerpiece and it's our glue. Um, and the way that Global FC got started was in 2014 when there was a lot of um, protesting and debate and just general hysteria around the refugee resettlement issue in the world, in America. Um, our founder and executive director, Maria, and uh, several other individuals um, felt like, you know, there's a lot of talk, debate, protests going on, but not a lot of action. So they found that one way that they could connect and support and help was through soccer. So they started with 12 kids who were referred from a refugee resettlement agency. Um, and soccer, you know, is a universal language, universal sport, um, something that kids really love and they're familiar with. So even when they don't speak English, they speak soccer. Um, so started out with that small group with just playing soccer together at a community center and just exploded and grew into so much more, especially because for Global FC, it's not just about being another organization, but really forming authentic community. So recognizing that there's a gap for first-generation refugee youth when it comes to mentorship. Um, and so having that caring adult, that guiding relationship in their life, helping with acculturation. But then also with education, you know, our kids are not only learning English and not even as a second language, but sometimes oh. third, fourth, fifth language. Um, but also as refugees, they come from backgrounds where either their education was interrupted because they were in their home country when conflict broke out right. and had to flee, or they were born and raised in a refugee camp where education was practically non-existent. Um, and then, you know, coming to a whole new country, not understanding the American school system, being behind, uh, but 
seeing that they have so much potential, you know. So um, for us, having that wraparound approach, that village approach to really supporting not only the kids, but also their families, because we see that kids are not only the recipients of hope, but also carriers of hope into their families. So being able to engage with the whole family through soccer and mentoring and education is kind of big picture what we do. So the FC in Global FC stands for football club, am I right? Football community, yeah. The football community, okay. Yeah, Sorry. so Matt, Matt, <laughs> speaking to you, you know, one of our goals is FC a lot of times does stand for football club, but really our goal is to be a community. And so we talk about that all the time with our kids, with volunteers, with different people that, you know, this is what's important to us is to be an authentic community. But my, my perception, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, is that when you came on with Global FC, there was really a, a shift happening at that time. N not a shift, an expansion. Uh, the, the football outreach and football as a means of community building is still very much a, a core part of Global FC. And obviously a great motivator for these young men. I've, I've met them, they're very active. Uh, but, um, there were there were expansions into more educational and more family education types of of work. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so really, the education program for Global FC um, started out with just homework help. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, kids are having a really hard time getting their homework done. So you know, we want to address the needs and help out any way that we can. Uh, but then really what we realized was if we're just helping with homework for kids who don't speak English, don't read English, um, don't understand school system in general, like their families don't understand, um, that's just a band-aid on a much deeper issue. So our academic enrichment initiative is our tutoring program, and that was our first sub-program within our education program. And that shifted from just you know homework help to hey we're also going to work focus on english proficiency and we're also going to work on literacy at our tutoring sessions um, and this past year we've had to continue to adjust because of distance learning uh, so for a while we were saying hey when you come to tutoring we're not even going to look at homework we want to focus on just english and literacy um, but this year we've had to shift back because we realized that a lot of kids are just they're not able to keep up and you know that's partly because of they don't have the same parent support that other kids can have because um, their parents don't have mastery of the English language um, or just with technology issues and things like that so um, continuing to just be aware of what the needs are and how to support them in that but still continuing to recognize the importance of English development um, and then we also have other sub programs in our education program. So we have soccer literacy, which is something that one of our former directors of coaching started uh, because, you know, movement is something that's really great for learning. And um, just thinking about if you're a kid, you don't want to just sit at a desk all day. So he combined some soccer challenges with literacy challenges so that kids can practice their English and get excited about it and have fun doing it. 
Um, another one that we are working really hard on right now is our next steps program, which is geared towards our high school students because, you know, just being a normal high school student in America is hard enough to figure out what comes next, all the transitions that happen. Um, and just, you know, figuring out what your interests are and what your passions are and what your skills are and how those can all align into a career. Um, so our Next Steps program does a lot of workshops to introduce kids to different careers. Um, and we have a lot of partnerships that, you know, that we have industry leaders who are leading those workshops and just being like, this is how I came to this uh, career and this is what it takes. This is how you can get there and just kind of exploring it that way. Um, but then as we continue to have those workshops and have conversations with our students, um, setting up, you know, shadowing sessions at the workplace, helping them get connected to internships. Um, and then, you know, we know that different kids are headed different directions, whether they're going to go straight into the workforce, what's the best possible work placement that they can get, or maybe trade school, um, or for the kids who are going to go into college, you know, the whole FAFSA application and yeah. the scholarships and college applications and all those things that, you know, just they're confusing in general. Um, so for us, having those long-term relationships with our students, using them to support them. Um, and then the last thing that's happening in our education program is our family literacy. Um, so that's one that is very much in its baby stages, but it's one that I think can be so incredible and powerful because I've mentioned, you know, family engagement is so important to us and being a part of that journey with parents. Um, so just how can we engage the whole family when it comes to education? And, um, and you know, a lot of our parents are very excited to learn English. Um, and then, you know, a lot of younger siblings um, that aren't old enough yet to be a part of Global FC want to be a part of that excitement. Um, so I think that's a really great way to engage the whole family. And I uh, feel really excited about this particular uh, program because uh, as I manage the uh, TESOL, the Teaching English as a Second Language um, uh, Education Department at Calvary University, uh, we have a student right now who's interning in that and actually working, I, I believe it is with four different families, four different homes, yeah. doing family literacy with them and helping sort of pioneer this effort. So really excited. That, yeah, uh, that she's done a great job. So, so she's um, made some really great lessons. And I think right now, kind of with family literacy, we're figuring out what our best family type is. Because, you know, we have mm -hmm. the family that's brand new to America. No one speaks English. Um, then we've got the kids who, you know, the kids are speaking English really well, but the literacy level is low or maybe parents don't speak English yet. Um, and uh, we're learning a lot about the families through this as well as just, you know, different. And one, of the, one of the big challenges I might point out here, too, that uh, those kind of not in the know or who haven't done a lot of work with um, immigrant families or, or refugee families is that uh, depending on the background that the family comes from, uh, they there may be a lack of literacy in their first language, yeah. um, especially I know there there are certain populations um, uh well, I'm, I'm kind of loath to say the people group just because they faced a lot of persecution. But there were uh, certain uh, there's a group of immigrants here who were routinely persecuted and denied education because mm -hmm. of their Christian status in their home countries. Mm -hmm. uh, so they they come here and um, it's you may think, well, what's we're dealing purely with a, just a language gap. 
and you're assuming that the person in front of you has a fourth or fifth or sixth grade education, depending how old they are. No, that's not the case at all. In, 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 in a lot of cases, they are not literate in their first language. And now they have this challenge to become literate in order to be functional in the society. It's a very, very difficult um, uh, challenge that, that, that people face. Well, as we, as we talk a little bit, I really want to get sort of this, uh, a little bit below the surface. Um, why do you do what you do? Like what drives you? I'm, I'm trying to get to at the motivations for you as a Christian. Um, immigration is one of those very hot political topics. And, um, you know, there are a lot of Christians who take different stances and different views on how they feel about immigration. And here you are a person who, as a believer, is committing yourself to, as the scripture says in Leviticus, to love the stranger, to love the sojourner in our land as yourself. I want to, um, I want to ask you, what motivates you? What's at the core of your motivation for working with these immigrant and refugee youth? Yeah, I'm afraid it might not be as spiritual of an answer as maybe it needs to be. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I I feel like it's just a little bit of like how God made me. So, you know, I think about my mom is from Hong Kong. My dad is from the States and I was born in Hong Kong, um, moved to the States when I was five, almost six. Um, so there's a part of me that just has this soft spot for learning about different cultures and being involved with different cultures. Um, and it's sad, but when I moved to the States, I slowly lost my ability to speak Chinese because my dad didn't speak it. So then we were in this small town and my mom was like, you guys are working on learning English. Like, I don't want to force you to speak Chinese with me. Um, and so that has created this situation where, you know, for me to be with my family, uh, to be with my grandparents on my mom's side, uh, I'm surrounded by a language that I don't speak. And so now that's what feels like home to me is to be surrounded by people who don't speak my language. Um, and so I think that's a very strange thing that just was how my life worked out. And that's where I feel most comfortable. And, mo you know, like, that's just where I feel at home. It's like, oh, like, I'm with this family that everyone's speaking Swahili, and I have no clue what's going on. Okay, I'm home. Like, um, right. So I think there's a little bit of that. Um, and I know that, you know, just, I have discovered that I do have a passion for working with kids. Um, and again, I don't necessarily know where that comes from, but it's just what I have seen. And I love, you know, they're just so honest and open, um, mm. there's no guessing what's going on in their minds usually, uh, <laughs> at all. I've witnessed a few of your tutoring, tutoring sessions. Yes. They're, they're very frank. <laughs> I, I will ask them, Hey, how do I look today? Cause I need their opinion. Um, so anyway, and I, and I mean, with working with kids, um, I don't know if it's because I like, like working with kids, but I do think about how Jesus, you know, when he was with his disciples and there's that story about how he was like, you know, the disciples were trying to keep the kids from coming to him. And he was like, no, no, no. Like these are the, the people that are most important. These are the people that we should try to be like. Um, so I think there's always been a soft spot in my life as well for kids, um, whether just because of how God made me or because of what I've seen in scripture as well. Um, so that's partly what I love. And um, I don't know, just... I, I would encourage you, Celeste, to, to, to not think of that first part of your answer as less spiritual. Uh, when I moved to Russia to be a missionary, 
there was part of me that just felt like I was taking a cheater's way out because I love Russian people and language and culture. And it's like everybody thinks I'm making this incredible sacrifice, but actually this is going to be really fun for me personally. And it was really fun. It also was really difficult, but there's nothing wrong too. God, sometimes that's a great indicator that we are exactly where God wants us to be because he has wired us to enjoy those kinds of relationships and to connect with those people. And my own experiences also growing up in an immigrant family uh, with parents from Greece, uh, helped me in that way too. So I can very much relate to that. But I, I want to ask this question. This, this is a bit of a hard question and maybe a little bit provocative, but um, one thing that I've encountered in my own ministry as well, because when I was in Russia, uh, I was in, I consider myself an academic or educational missionary. I build relationships through education. Yeah. And um, sometimes you would encounter people who would say things like, well, you're doing a lot of great things teaching students English, but it's not like you're doing church work or evangelism or like the the, the more gospel-centered work. What you're doing is really kind of second class or third class or uh, just much lower on the chain of, of Christian work. That if if somehow we're not you know working directly with the church or not uh, sharing the gospel directly, that we are uh, that we're not doing God's work per se and um, I know that could be especially the reason I ask that is because Global FC is not really a, a, a Christian organization. I mean, I know there are a lot of believers who work in it, but there are non-believers who work in it as well. So um, when I don't know if you've ever encountered that kind of, of thought or even if you haven't, how you would respond to somebody who asks you that kind of question. How do you how do you justify doing this instead of, say, taking your education degree and working at a Christian school or in some missional con missional context? Uh, tr traditional missional context. Yeah. Well, I definitely have a lot of feelings about this one. Um, so I'll start by saying um, I have to, you know, I train volunteers and I promote Global FC all the time. So I have to talk to believers a lot of times about um, our mission statement is to use soccer as a vehicle for transformative impact. It's not to make disciples or preach the gospel. Um, and sometimes I feel that's important to clarify um, for believers who are coming on board. And it's it's not because I don't want them to share the gospel, but it's like, you know, we have to take care of the relationships that we're building through Global FC. And so there are certain things that if you approach it the wrong way, you're going to destroy a relationship. Um, but then on the other end, um, you mentioned, you know, Global FC actually is founded on Christian principles. Um, so I tell or I tell non-believers all the time as well, especially in training, you know, one of our pillars is faith. Um, and so faith is one of our pillars because we're founded on Christian principles and because we believe that this idea of people from all different sorts of backgrounds being able to come together, we believe that's biblical. And so mm -hmm. I say that straight up to everyone who ever comes to my trainings and presentations about Global FC, whether they're believers or not. Um, and then I kind of smooth it over by also saying that, you know, but we also understand that we have a lot of different faiths represented in Global FC. Um, and so it's just kind of, you know, for me, um, I wonder which direction I should go with this because <laughs> there's so many things that I would love to talk about. Uh, but I think, you know, if someone talks to me about being part of Global FC, 
Um, I think with Christians, sometimes they can latch on to things like, oh my gosh, like you talk to Muslims every day. <laughs> like, right. I don't know, like, you know, they can latch on to these things and it turns me off in the sense that like you are looking at the people I care about most as a project as opposed to a person. Um, and I'll be honest, I've had to fight the same questions with myself of like, yeah, should I be doing more? Could I be doing more if I were with a different organization, if I were more um, maybe intentional about sharing my faith or I don't know. Um, so I've asked myself the same questions first. And a lot of times it comes as a result of conversations with other believers. Um, but I have come to think about um, some different things. Like, first of all, I don't think that there's, like, in my mind, there's become less of this um, line that I'm trying to get people to cross from unbeliever to believer or from non-Christian to Christian. Um, like, that, that's not my focus anymore. Um, and I... I think I see it in how Jesus related to people when he was on earth. Um, he just cared about people and he just loved people and he met their needs, whether it was physical needs or spiritual needs. Um, and he did all of it just because he cared about who they were as people. And I want to do the same thing. Um, and so I think about like, you know, if someone became friends with me and built a relationship with me just so they could change my mind about something, I would not want nothing to do with that person. Right. But, you know, if I'm building authentic relationships with people um, and we're going to naturally have conversations about our faith um, and it's just going to come up. But if I can just care about them as a person, first and foremost, um whether it's through, you know, working with them on schoolwork or getting to know their family or whatever the case may be, um, then I think that I'm representing Christ best as I can by simply showing love. Because, you know, if God is love and if Jesus was the ultimate demonstration of that love, then that's where I have to start. And I don't think love is something that just looks at people as projects. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess that's kind of where I look at it. Um, but then, you know, every day is just about showing love um, and all of us always have to be growing closer to Christ, right? So I almost look at our kids that come from Christian families as an even greater opportunity to have ministry because it's so much, it is so much more open that we can have these conversations about, you know, what is the gospel? Why did Jesus come to earth? You know, we, Global FC has a Christmas party every year, and I think that I'm pretty open about things like that in my own life. Um, and I will bring kids to church with me because, you know, it's like, hey, you want to hang out on Sunday? Okay, well, this is what I'm doing on Sunday, so we'll do this, but also we're going to go roller skating or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But just kind of living life together um, and a lot of things happen naturally. Um, I I do think of one thing that happened really recently when I talked to someone about um, Global FC and what I do. Um, and then he started talking to me about like conversation quadrants that Christians can use with non-believers to like start talking to them about the gospel. 
Um, and that was just kind of one more of those instances where I was just like, man, that's just so like, it frustrated me because I was like, first of all, like you're dismissing what I'm doing um, and making it, making me feel like what I do is not valuable and it's not, um, yeah, it's less than because I'm not just going from point A to point B to point C. Whereas like so much of what happens in my daily life, it just happens without me trying sometimes, you know. Um, I've often I've often remarked that I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> I remember growing up uh, as a not very committed believer in my teen years. And occasionally our youth group would have these uh, sessions on how to share your faith. And it just seems so difficult and so scary. And um, I always just tell people now, um, even young people, that uh, the reason why it was difficult and scary for me, and if it is for you, may very well be because you don't have a lot to share because you don't have a very strong walk with God. Like if, and I, that sounds really harsh, but if 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 uh, if your walk with God is strong and you're confident in that walk, and it, it's something that enriches you and that you find great strength and hope and nourishment in, then of course, when you make friends with people, that subject naturally comes up and it naturally becomes part of the conversation of who you are. So sharing my faith, the deeper the deeper I walk with God, sharing my faith isn't even like something I have to necessarily try yeah. uh, to do. Um, the other thing that I think makes us have to attempt it is when we put our, when we shoehorn ourselves into situations that are less natural. And I think in today's, I think worldwide, we're becoming a culture where all sorts of great information is out there. Um, what people need is not the gospel to be shared with them necessarily in an informational way, but through a relationship. And it takes work to build that relationship. And, and you're right in that not every one of those relationships the relationship pans out in, in, in terms of getting a person to cross from one side to the other. But does that mean that that relationship is still not worth it? Does it mean that showing that person that degree of love is not worth it? So yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you're exploring that. Um, and that that's part of, uh, so, you know, as we talk about perceptions that Christians may have, um, what do you wish um, that Christians at large or, and people in Christian ministry understood about the immigrants and foreigners who live among us, who live in, um, in our circles. And I, don't, I don't even necessarily like to use the word foreigner. Um, I tend to use the word internationals, but um, you know, the scripture uses the word foreigner in a way. It's not pejorative. It is really in, in, you know, meant to just indicate that a, a, a person has joined your community and now we have to respond. Uh, what is it that you wish Christians uh, um, knew or understood about responding to the immigrant and and former foreigner in our midst? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, especially, I think because I'm so immersed in it that a lot of times I only work with people who are also immersed in it. So sometimes I forget that maybe people aren't aware or don't know about, you know, what's going on when it comes to refugee and immigrant situations. Um, but I do, you know, every once in a while, I come across a person who doesn't realize that Kansas City is full of refugees. Um, and mm -hmm. then, you know, they, when I talk about, yeah, I work with people from all over the world, they're picturing only Hispanic people. And I'm like, no, like, I'm talking about African people. I'm talking about East Asians. Um, 
so yeah, I think just, you know, just the awareness of the people that are here, um, and the beauty of being able to build relationships with those people. Um, and so one of the things, again, that I talk a lot about just for Global SC, um, there's this misconception, especially for refugees, that they are these hopeless people and we just need to have pity on them and feel bad for them. Um, but it couldn't be further from the truth. Like they're so resilient. They're so resourceful. Um, so again, thinking about they speak those four or five languages. Um, yeah. They've brought their family to a whole new country. Um, and, they, you know, they've done so much. And in their home countries, you know, they were experts in different fields and things like that. Um, and so obviously coming to a new country, there's new barriers and challenges for them. Um, but really what they need is just a community that welcomes them. Um, and I think that maybe sometimes what happens is people just don't know how to connect with someone who's different from them. Um, it's like, if I don't speak the same language, if I don't um, come from the same place, don't have the same cultural values, like, you know, it, and, I, and I understand, like, it can be hard to be like, where do we even start? Um, and I think that's, again, somewhere that for me as someone who grew up in this, I, we term it, you know, third culture kid um, environment, um, you know, everyone I looked at around me was different from me, aside from maybe my brother. Uh, I'm like, he's the only one that is like me who will ever understand what it's like to be me. Um, and so for me, you know, it's always just been about learning about other people and, you know, our differences make us beautiful. Um, so I think maybe for me, just from a practical standpoint, um, if Christians could embrace those differences and not be so worried about it um, mm -hmm. and then get to know um, those people who are different from them. Um, and I know that it can be hard and scary and um, if anyone needs help doing that, I'm happy to be a part of that. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, you know, not being afraid of being in a totally different environment where maybe you have no idea what's going on because everyone's just moving around doing things and um, not speaking the language that you understand. Um, but, you know, I and I think especially um, I've had the privilege to experience also just intercultural Christian relationships where, you know, I, I've met with believers who are from different countries and like the beauty of having only Christ in common um, and like just the strength of the relationship that comes from just that. Um, so, you know, that's something that not necessarily happens with the families that I interact with on a daily basis, but um, I think that's one of the biggest privileges that we can ever have when we interact with people who are from different countries. Um, and, you know, my parents, I think, are the biggest example of that to me because they're two completely different people. Um, I feel like they have literally nothing in common except Jesus. And that has always just made our family okay from day one. So... That is really great. And I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate the heart of what you've shared there. Um, our time is really drawing to a close here. So maybe one good way to end this would be, um, um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe you guys just have so many volunteers, you're turning everybody away. <clears throat> but <laughs> no, seriously, like, how can people get involved, uh, you know, in Global FC and what they're doing? 
Yeah, I mean, we're definitely always looking for more volunteers. Um, we have almost 180 kids now. So, you know, we would love for each of them to have their own tutor, their own mentor. Um, so you can volunteer as tutors, mentors. Um, if you're into soccer, you can be a soccer coach. Um, even just driving. Um, we yeah. transport pretty much all our kids everywhere that they need to go. You can be a driver. Um, there's a lot of different opportunities and it's just kind of, you can think about, you know, what it is that your skill set is. There's probably a way that we can use your skill set, whatever it is, um, because, you know, what we do is kind of, it's all encompassing. Um, but, you know, and, and I understand that, you know, for not everyone has the capability to give time. So, you know, just sharing about Global FC, um, we are a nonprofit donating money, um, all of that supports what we do. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Celeste, for being with us today and uh, giving us a bit of insight into a very practical way to live out, uh, I would say, the heart and passion of Christ for people um, in, in terms of um, providing people with the support and care and nurture that they need uh, following the, in the footsteps of our master in that way. It's a really beautiful thing uh, to see you doing it. So we appreciate, uh, appreciate you and appreciate your work with Global FC. All right. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Calvary Conversations, a service of Calvary University in Kansas City, Missouri. We invite you to participate in the conversation by contacting us through the Calvary University website, calvary.edu, or by calling us at 816-322-0110. Join us again next week for another Calvary Conversation.